Hey everybody, it's me, Dr. Cameron Dennis, physical therapist and running specialist. You all know who I am, uh, I imagine. So anyway, let's get right to it. Uh, it's been a pretty crazy week. Had something like 80 patient visits this week uh, between myself and the other PTA, the, the actual uh, PTA Jarrett. And uh, so it's been pretty crazy. And then, uh, so he worked 105 hours in the last uh, pay period, which is freaking crazy. And just so you guys know, and you don't think that I'm a bad boss, um, he uh, signed up for that. <laughs> he schedules his own patients. So anyway, um, thank uh, God for him. So we actually hired a, uh, a new physical therapist. So that's yet to be really announced. You guys are the only ones that know, um, those of you who listen to this podcast. So we hired a new PT. Uh, she actually specializes in women's health. And so that's really going to be something cool. Uh, because, uh, so many women, um, after they give birth, actually have uh, uh, incontinence. And it's something that they deal with sometimes for the rest of their lives. And uh, it's not always something that Kegels can fix, right? Kegels are sort of the exercise that everybody tells you to do for your pelvic floor, but there are so many other things that need to be done. It's not always that the muscles are weak. You know, sometimes it's the muscles that are tight. And uh, anyway, so there are so many things that, that, that can be done um, by a PT, a physical therapist, in uh, an outpatient uh, setting after birth. So it's actually kind of cool. They're going in the direction of doing something like uh, having, having a PT after uh, we're trying, they're trying, sort of trying to push so that most women will go to PT directly after having birth. Um, maybe not that day, but heck, maybe so. Um, but uh, more specifically in the weeks after and months after to make sure that they um, regain the strength of their hips and, and, and their, their, their abdominal muscles and they get on the right track for um, regaining mobility and, and proper function of the um, pelvic area. So... Anyway, this is something that they're not really doing in Wapak, as far as I know, um, in the town that our, our practice is. So we'll have that. She does uh, dry needling also, uh, so that's something cool. Um, she exercises most of the days a week, just like I do, and um, Jared's able to do as well when he's not quite so busy. Um, I, I actually didn't get a chance to really weightlift as much as I wanted to either um, this week, just because I had ton of patients also hence why we had to bring somebody in but uh anyway um it's actually kind of cool uh how much it, this pelvic floor um and for those of you who don't know pelvic floor is like the there's muscles that are inside of your pelvis that, that hold up a lot of your um organs and things like that and uh it's it's like the muscles that you hold to like when you're trying to hold pee or trying to slow down your muscle, the stream of your pee or 
there's so many different things that they do, but, um, <clears throat> she, she should be on this podcast. I think she'd probably have a lot to say. That'd be pretty good. I think, um, she could probably teach us a lot more about it. Cause to be honest, I don't really know all that is, you know, to do with it, but I can tell you that runners, a lot of runners, uh, female runners in particular deal with leaking, um, when they're running and some of them can't get too far from a bathroom, you know, they can't run too far because, uh, they can't jump or they can't, uh, run too far from the bathroom because they, they start leaking and they, they feel this, uh, urge like they're gonna, um, pee their pants and oftentimes do. So, um, <clears throat> I think it'll be really cool, um, the way that we can work together in that, in that case. Um, I've even had males actually with pelvic floor dysfunction after pro, uh, prostate, uh, surgery. Um, and, and one thing that we, that I'm trying to do is I get, I get really frustrated when I hear, um, about patients experiences at other places, um, at other clinics, because for example, let's talk about pelvic health. Uh, and I know this is weird because most of you probably don't care about it, but you'll understand why I'm talking about it. Uh, there was a man in his fifties, maybe forties, fifties. Um, I can't remember, but he had uh, prostate cancer and had to have his prostate uh, removed. So, um, literally, they had to do surgery to remove it, and he lost uh, control of his ability to hold his pee. So he was, you know, anytime he would stand up from a chair, he would start, you know, he would leak some or, or worse, you know, pee a lot and he had no way of stopping it. So you can imagine how that would affect your life as a, a middle-aged man. Um, you know, and this wasn't, this was no sissy man. This was a, a tough guy, you know? And so he went to physical therapy at, uh, another place in a nearby town. And basically what they told him was that he should do Kegels for, uh, how many did he tell me? Something like 30 Kegels, which is where you squeeze like those melt, those muscles of your pelvic floor, um, to do 30 of them every hour for the next year, literally every hour that he was awake. For a year and I said is it helping he said a little and it had been like six months by the way and he was still having uh, a lot of difficulty holding his pee I mean he wasn't able to get up from standing like or from sitting like I said without leaking some and I'm like okay that this this should not be consuming your life like this and there's no way that such a low intensity contraction is going to make any change over the long term like that. And so it was like he literally had his alarm set on his watch every hour that he was awake so that he could do these Kegels. I'm like, that. there is no way. So anyway, we tried some different things and ended up helping quite a bit um, doing it differently. Um, and of course, it's going to change from person to person. But basically, I tried to have him hold that contracted position like squeezing those muscles and then um, doing the activities that he's struggling to hold those muscles with. 
right? So like squatting or um, um, getting up from a chair or walking or jumping, like all of these different things, stairs, you know, we went through and did all of those things while holding that contraction or, uh, you know, creating more loads through the hip. So anyway, it ended up helping him quite a bit, which was really cool and and really um, amazing to be a part of. And I'm not some genius. It's just, um, these are simple things that, that most PTs are taught in school, at least what we were taught. And I think what happens if PTs just get stuck seeing the same thing over and over, just like physicians, um, like chiropractors, and they, they get in this groove where they send everyone with the same things. And it's like, well, that's not helping that guy. And you're not re- thinking about how it's affecting his life. Um, let's take another example. There's a, a another clinic in our town that uh, I won't even mention. But they're very nice. I'll say that. They're very nice. Um, but we had a patient come in with, uh, uh, after, uh, what did she have? She had a knee replacement maybe six months before. And actually, we've had multiple patients like this. Um, and she had been an active exerciser before. Um, she went to this person for physical therapy after the knee replacement. And... And needless to say, it wasn't effective. She came back to us. Um, you know, I, I think it was maybe a couple months later after she had been discharged from the, the other clinic. And, and what happened was that she wasn't given exercises that were uh, challenging enough to get her to the point where she was able to do exercise. Like she wasn't able to do a lot of the classes like with the steps, like step ups and with squatting, even like simple squats or getting up from a chair. Um, Her range of motion was good when she was sitting, you know, so she could bend her knee back pretty far when she was sitting, but she couldn't, um, she couldn't put any force through it because she had never strength trained through it um, after the surgery. So um, the, the problem was that they had her doing sitting down exercises and she was able to do those fine where she kicks her knee out and things they're really basic using bands and and she had told them previously that she wanted to be able to do squats and to be able to participate in group exercise classes um, and and I know this person was very uh, on top of their exercise program that they were given to do outside of therapy um, because this is just, that's just how this person is so it's not like they weren't doing their stuff at home. It's that they, they were never given squats. They were never given sit-to-stands or squats as part of their exercises. And I thought to myself, what are you doing? Like, what is this What is this therapist doing? This medical professional who should know if... if like, the musculoskeletal system is very... Uh, it, it's, it can be straightforward in, in situations like this. Um, if, if you want someone to be able to, someone to be able to squat, they should probably be doing something leading up to squats and then progressing to squats, but they weren't. And so when they came in to see us, their knee was all swollen. Uh, they were limping around. Um, they obviously couldn't squat. They could barely get up from a chair 
and I'm, I'm like, how are, how is this person expected to exercise? And I said, I said, well, you know, why is it so, why, why is it that you're exercising if it's like this? And she said, well, because my therapist told me that I was, should be, I can return to exercise with no limitations. And I was just like, I couldn't believe it. I said, um, did, did they ever have you do like, what was the, what kind of exercises did they have you do? She told me, I said, did they ever have you squat? And she said, no. I said, oh my God. So what well, I guess what I'm trying to get across and I know I'm rambling. I always freaking do this, don't I? What I'm trying to get across is that not all, not all medical professionals, um, not all of them are created equally. Okay, and it's not that, uh, it's not that I think I'm a superior person. No, I don't. But I do think that it, when you take your job seriously and you you study outside of work, um, as opposed to just doing your job and then going home, and doing the same thing for thirty years. And never coming out of that routine, you can get stuck and you can, when you're not moving forward, you're moving backward. I don't think there's a such thing as maintaining your level as a professional. And I don't just mean that in, in, in physical therapy. I mean that in, in healthcare um, and not just in healthcare, but in life. Um, for example, take exercise, right? If you're not improving if you're not continual, continuously honing your craft, then you are probably going backwards. You're probably um, getting uh, slower, weaker, tighter. So anyway, I know a lot of this came back, uh, got to me rambling, but I guess my point was that I think, I think it's important that you look at the healthcare professionals that you're seeing, um, say to yourself, does this make sense? Am I able to do what I need to be able to do? What are they supposed to be providing for me? And are they providing that service to me? If they're not, you need to have that discussion with them. If they're unable to help you achieve that goal, then you need to find someone else. So, for those of you who are outside of our immediate geographical area, I recommend that you call around to places, see, you know, who has experience in rehabilitating things, you know, people of your population, you know, so active folks, um, you know, to be able to do the activities that you want. Oh my God, I have so many examples of this. I had another guy, he was a, he's a, a power lifter and, uh, he had a bicep tear and he went to a therapy place about 30 minutes, 45 minutes away from our clinic. And, uh, they were doing scraping on his wrist and he's like, why are they, why are you doing scraping on my wrist? And they gave him some answer. Who knows? So scraping is like, uh, the a stem, the tools, tooling stuff that they use. It's like these little butter knife looking things. Um, I don't believe in it whatsoever. Um, however, that's just, that's just my opinion and clinical, um, sort of, um, experience, I suppose. But anyway, so they were scraping his wrist and I said, I said to him, well, why, why did they tell you why they were doing that? 
And he said, yeah, but they couldn't give me a good answer. And, and it was, this was post bicep repair surgery. Um, one that he had waited months and months for. Um, and actually maybe even over a year, I believe he waited over a year thinking back, um, for this bicep surgery, uh, because of, uh, I believe there are legal complications, um, in terms of who's going to pay for it and things like that. Um, but he was a power lifter going to this, going to a gym or uh, a PT clinic that had no experience working with lifters. I mean, they went in there thinking, who freaking knows what they were thinking, to be honest. Um, and, and he did the smart thing. This guy did the exact right thing. He saw what they were doing. He told his orthopedic surgeon that it doesn't make any sense. Um, I'm hoping that he talked to the PT first. And it sounded like he did, I'm thinking back. But, um, you know, so it's, it's it, and then he found another provider who could better help him rehabilitate his injury. Because like I said, I think, I think like anything, any other profession, you have people who phone it in. They go to school, they get their degree, they think they're done, and they're not. Because you're just not helping people. So anyway, um, hopefully my angry rants don't upset you people. Uh, and I hope that, uh, I hope that you gained something from this or understood a little bit more about, um, what I do and, uh, how to better make sure that you are prepared to exercise. Um, especially, you know, like going back, especially after giving birth or if after, uh, after a surgery or an injury. So, Anyway, we'll probably talk more about this at some point because it just drives me bonkers. Um, I think uh, as athletes and as runners, we need to be more active in our, our health care. We need to really take uh, take notes and, and do our homework to make sure we know what's going on. Um, and of course, nobody likes the, the patient that comes in and knows more than they do um, because they had Googled it. But if you're supposed to be if you're supposed to be strengthening one area and they start doing some weird thing in a totally different area, you should probably be asking questions. And if it doesn't line up, you should probably be calling someone else. So anyway, uh, hopefully you found that useful. And I uh, love you guys. You are amazing. You're awesome. Keep your heads up during this COVID season. It's COVID time. It's winter. Um, and be safe over Thanksgiving in this uh this year hopefully it doesn't um, cause more peaks i guess in this um craziness and hopefully this uh this vaccine turns out to be something useful um something that we can um, trust and depend on and it, is, it doesn't have the uh, have negative side effects so anyway i uh, will talk to you guys soon once again this is dr cameron and uh, have a wonderful thanksgiving Bye. Are you sick of nagging running injuries? Well, there's no way to totally prevent injuries. You can train in a way that drastically reduces your chances of being sidelined by injuries. The Injury Prone Athlete Training Programs at InjuryProneRunning.com were created by me, Dr. Cameron Dennis, a physical therapist and running specialist, to help you train smarter and stay on track towards your running goals. Programs at Injury 
hipproneRunning.com include, but are not limited to, Bulletproof Hip Running Program, Bulletproof Knee Running Program, and Bulletproof Feet Running Program, designed to help you return to running from injuries and pain, which have plagued you potentially for years. Including, included in your training program at InjuryProneRunning.com are specific instructions for when to move from Phase 1 to Phase 2, from Phase 2 to Phase 3, according to your level of pain and type of injury. Um, so there's less confusion about worrying about hurting yourself again or making your injury worse. So after completing our injury recovery programs on InjuryProneRunning.com, you'll be able to then transition in one of our other training programs and work towards running further, faster, or simply just completing a race of your chosen distance without becoming injured. Visit InjuryProneRunning.com for more details or to learn more about your injury for free.